You're listening to TIP. The Morgan approach is you ask it something and it will give you an exact answer that it can stand behind. It doesn't do everything, but what it does do, it does very, very well. And what it does do is banking and finance. Right? Home finance, it knows it inside out and you ask it anything on, more, on home finance, it will give you only one answer and an exact answer. Hey, everybody. In this week's episode, I got to sit down and talk with Pavan Agarwal about how his company, SunWest Mortgage, is using artificial intelligence to improve the mortgage underwriting process with a product they call Morgan. Morgan utilizes what's called empathetic technology to expedite and enhance the entire loan approval process. Pavan is the president and chief executive officer of SunWest Mortgage, which is a recognized Ginnie Mae reverse mortgage issuer, servicer, and master servicer, and they hold agency approvals with the FHA, VA, USDA, Fannie Mae, and Freddie Mac. Morgan and empathetic technology was entirely new to me and absolutely fascinating to learn about. If you watched the Super Bowl last week, you may have caught the Morgan commercial during the game. I thought Pavan did a great job explaining how AI will revolutionize the mortgage industry, and you're going to want to give this one a listen. And so, without further delay, let's jump into this week's episode with Pavan Agarwal. You are listening to Real Estate 101 by the Investors Podcast Network, where your hosts, Robert Leonard and Patrick Donnelly, interview successful investors from various real estate investing niches to help educate you on your real estate investing journey. Welcome to the Real Estate 101 podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Donnelly. And with me today is a really special guest, Pavan Agarwal. Pavan, welcome to the show. Hey, Patrick. Thanks for having me. Really happy to have you here today. I'm looking forward to learning more about you. Definitely want to learn more about your company, SunWest Mortgage, and how you're changing the mortgage industry with your new AI technology called Morgan. And we're going to do a deep dive into all of that. But first, I really wanted to ask you about your father. From my research, it sounded like your family immigrated to the US in the mid-70s and that your dad started work as a real estate agent. And then around 1980, he started SunWest Mortgage. What kind of impact did your father have on you? And what are some of the lessons that you learned from him on how to run the company? It's a good question because my father taught me everything. Everything I know about business, everything I know about real estate, I learned firsthand from him and working alongside him since I was a little kid. That means when we bought properties, I was there with him as he drove around and looked at real estate, looked at, figure out how to value it, whether how, how much he should bid. And then afterwards, after we bought the properties back in those days, you know, we barely had $2 to rub together. So we did everything ourselves, cleaned the houses and mowed the lawns. Right, there's, there's nothing that teaches you real estate better than actually getting in there and doing it yourself. You know, the most important thing he, I learned from my father, and I think a lot of people who have sort of gone down this path have learned the same thing, which is just stay committed and, and just keep up the work ethic. And that's the only way to really get through anything. So did he build out a pretty large real estate portfolio prior to starting SunWest? Yes. So in the 70s, uh, after we immigrated, he worked as a, started first as a real estate agent, then got his broker's license. And back in those days, HUD had this program. You could buy a HUD repo for $100. And so you could buy, you could still do that program today, but in limited markets, limited pockets. And back then you could do it as a non-owner. So you could literally with $100 down, you could buy a HUD repo, non-owner occupied, 
And so he systematically built up a large investment portfolio using leverage from the government. Where was he located at that point? Where, where was the houses that he was buying? It was all in Southern California. So buying real estate in the 70s in Southern California, you can imagine what a great investment that turned out to be. But back in those days, and I went to a number of these auctions with him, HUD would have, in the HUD building in LA, there was this big, huge room where they'd have the auctions and everyone would be in there. And they'd put the property out or something and you'd bid verbally. And that's how you, you want a property. So he would spend, when HUD would put out the list, he would spend a whole bunch of time driving around, looking at the properties, talking to the neighbors. And that's the other thing I learned from him is the first thing you do is talk to the neighbors, find out what's happening in the neighborhood. A lot of door knocking, a lot of cold calling, just getting familiar with the location and what's happening in there. And then from there, he would determine what he would like to buy that and what his max price is. Was that a pretty exciting process for you? I don't know. I was like eight, nine years old. I don't know if it was exciting. I was just sort of just sitting there watching. And this is before you had, you know, Game Boys and all that. So it was literally, you had to keep yourself there was no distractions and, and, and all I could do was watch and, and see what he was doing. That's a great learning experience. I remember as a young kid going to a couple of auctions with my dad and I just loved the action. I loved the, you know, the speaking of the auctioneer. It just seemed like really exciting. It's such a good education that, that he gave you, you know, whether you were observing or just kind of absorbing it by osmosis. It's a, really a great way to, to grow up to learn and by example. I don't know if it was exciting, if I remember it as exciting, because I remember sitting in that auction room for like 10 hours in a day. After like hour seven or eight, you get pretty anxious, especially as a little kid, right? But, you know, we did what we had to do. I also remember growing up and we kept buying real estate up until now, we still buy real estate. And then when we grew up, every time we went on vacation, drove someplace, we always stopped and looked at real estate along the way. So I remember we used to go, we used to go skiing in the wintertime. So we drive to Big Bear from Cerritos, right? And along the way, it would take three hours or four hours to get there because along the way, you'd stop and see five properties. So you mentioned that you're in Puerto Rico now. Is that something that you still do? You're walking around or driving around Puerto Rico, taking a look at things, or are you too busy with work? And you know what? I, that is the best part of the business, driving along, looking at real estate. I, I did this last 12 months, buy up some real estate in Puerto Rico. It is, those are fun days. When I can get away from the computer and, and get away from technology, I love just, just seeing what's happening in the markets. Boots on the ground kind of research is hard to beat. Is your dad still alive? No, unfortunately, he passed away last year from a freak accident. But he, had, you know, he lived a full life and it was a painless ending. So that's good news. Yeah, it seemed like you learned a ton from him. Great gift that he gave you. I know you studied and graduated with a degree in engineering. What were your career plans, either coming out of school or even as a kid? Was it a foregone conclusion that you'd join SunWest, your father's company, or did you have any other career aspirations? If you ask my father, it was a foregone cl conclusion. He only saw one path for me, which is, which is being in the business and in the industry. It's coming out of engineering school. I, what I, I actually wanted to go to med school afterwards. I had a toss-up between med school and, and getting into the business. And he very cleverly shepherded me. He never said, no, don't go to med school. But he, pro he put the right breadcrumbs in front of me. So then I, I made my own decisions. And I went towards the business. So did you start right out of college? And, and if you did, what capacity? How did you start? What was the training like? So actually, no. I mean, literally, I'd been working in the business with him all along. In college, before college, in high school, I, I was 
did everything from taking out the trash to setting up accounts and the accounting process, doing accounting myself, to loan servicing, collections. You know, so I've done it all, getting files submitted to HUD for insuring. So after college, I started working. This was like 1990. I'm dating myself now. That's when I graduated. At what point did you take over as CEO and what was that transition like? That can be tricky doing the father-son handoff. That was 2008. After Bear Stearns crashed, I was pretty deep in the business. I was uh, handling a lot of the trading and execution. And when Bear Stearns crashed, we had a, fair, a large warehouse line with a, with a bunch of uh, reverse mortgage loans on the line. And those loans went from 104 to 90 overnight. And we had these, and they were on this, in this warehouse line with personal guarantees. I called my, I was in New York at the trading desk and I called up dad. I said, dad, we got a problem. Now we got this, you know, 20, $30 million margin call and we don't got 30, 20, 30 million dollars and we got personal guarantees. And he's like, well, you know, I'm going back, I'm going, I'm going to go back and take my nap. And if you figure this out, you, the company's yours and do whatever you want to do with it. That's an interesting time to take over for sure. So how did you handle that? The good news is I made a few friends along the way. And it's like the old Beatles song, I get by with a little help from my friends. Basically, a friend on the street bailed me out and he said, okay, I'll take these loans, uh, but they need to get Jenny issued. And we were, I think at that time, the only ones with the ability, with the technology and the approvals to issue reverse mortgages into Jenny's. Explain to our listeners who aren't familiar with what a reverse mortgage is. How does a reverse mortgage work? Because there's several people I, I'm, I know that are listening that are like, what's a reverse mortgage? So reverse mortgages are for seniors. I think it's a great opportunity for many seniors. It's often considered that that is only for low income or seniors that are, that are in destitute. But that's, I don't think that's the case. It's actually an excellent annuity program. And because you can literally take a reverse mortgage and not draw the money. So you get a line of credit. So let's say your house is worth, let's say your house is worth a million dollars and you get a, you know, the reverse mortgage, depending on the age, maybe the line of credit you'll get is say $400,000. You don't have to draw that money. You leave it in there. And the reverse mortgage, the, the line of credit grows with the current interest rate. Whatever treasuries are today, what, three, 4%, 10 year treasury plus the margin. That's how your line of credit would grow. So think about it. It's, it's better than putting money in a CD or a mutual. You're going to get a higher return by just doing a reverse mortgage and letting the money sit. And the line of credit is there for you to, it's cash. You could draw upon it anytime you want. And was that your main focus at SunWest at that time in 2008, reverse mortgages? Yeah, from 2004 to today. But our biggest product in that decade was reverse mortgages. In fact, until even until now, you know, we have the number one reverse technology. Most of the reverse mortgages are serviced on our platform. Like, uh, you know, we had Wells Fargo, Bank of America, Generations, Guggenheim. We're all using our technology to manage and service those, those loans. I wanted to backtrack a little bit and learn more about the history of SunWest. Why did your father start the company and what, were, what are some of the company's core values and mission? He started it as very simple. It wasn't out trying to change the world or anything. Remember, he was a real estate broker in the 70s. And in 1980, if you recall, with the way the policies were and what inflation was, not seemingly, seems very similar to today, but interest rates hit 19% and real estate wasn't moving. 
so the only way to do a loan back, the only way to buy a house back then, I don't know if you remember this, is to do a negative amortization. You got a starting rate of 12% and negatively amortized by 7% a year. The, what he thought was, okay, let me, let me start lending also. Let me get a warehouse line to start lending. And then I can make some real estate commission and I can make some loan commission. It was that simple. And also I can control the experience, so the whole experience for my customer end to end and provide better value. That was the idea. But then as the, the mortgage company started and started growing, slowly he, he let go of the real estate brokerage side and just focused entirely on the mortgage side. I, I'm assuming he kept his real estate portfolio, but his focus at that point was on growing the mortgage company. Correct. Yeah. The only time he, he did real estate brokerage activities was really as friends and family. Talk to us about the growth of the company. So he started in 1980. How did the company grow and develop over time? Well, so he started the company in 1980 with like very little money. It was like $50,000 or something, like, which is oh, 1980 money is maybe it's half a million today in today's money. Initially, it was, it was, it was slow. The first couple of years, it was, the Morris company was there to do his, the deals out of his brokerage. And it did fine. It, it was nothing to write home about, but it was making money and the brokerage was making money. And then I think what in 82 or something is when the Federal Reserve passed the truth in lending law. And that's when he had to disclose an APR to the borrower within, within three days. It was a long, complicated process back then. You had to use a service bureau and all this. So what he said, he came to me and he said, hey, why don't you write some software that can calculate this thing? It does, doesn't seem so hard. Calculate this APR, write some software to print, print this form. So I said, okay, so I did. So then we were the only lender that had the ability to generate truth and lending in 30 minutes. And with that capability, we were able to really expand our retail operation and, and hired. We basically hired as many loan originators as we could that are warehouse lines at that time until we could max out our warehouse lines. So you were a key part of that growth by writing this program that calculated the APR. What, how old were you at that time? I guess so. I never saw it that way. I didn't even think about it until you, you said it right now. So it's like, now it's like, okay. <laughs> at that time, I was like, what, 13 or something. And I was just following orders. So I, Dad said to write something, I, I wrote it. I don't think twice about it. That's really cool that you made that development for the company at a super young age. I want to do a deep dive now into Morgan. Tell us about Morgan and what empathetic technology is. That's a term that as I was doing research, I'd never come across. So really interested in hearing more about Morgan and empathetic technology. Empathetic technology, I'm going to start with that first. It is actually, yes, it's not in the mainstream. People, if you Google it, not a whole lot comes up. Most of it is stuff we put out. But it's a science that's been around for a while. Uh, it's nothing new. AI has been around for a long time, since the 50s. People just don't. It just hasn't been in people's consciousness until, until recently. So same thing with empathetic technology. The idea is, is that a computer can actually do a better job in figuring out how you feel. Even though a computer doesn't feel, it can do a better job figuring out how you feel than you do or than another human being can. Obviously, you know how you feel. And the reason is because a computer doesn't have emotions. So it doesn't have its own biases to conflict with what its senses are picking up. So the fundamental empathetic technology, it means that the tech is determining how you feel. Are you feeling anxious? Are you feeling sad? Are you feeling happy? And there's a lot of clues in the way you speak and in the words you use that trigger that kind of detection. And based on that detection, it then has, between a combination of AI and rules, it decides how to respond to you so that you have a smooth, natural flowing feeling always when you're working with, with the system. 
Let's take a quick break and hear from today's sponsors. Hey everyone, it's Patrick, your host of Millennial Investing. Every year, my buddies and I do a guy's trip to escape the cold and dreary Ohio winters. Once we pick our destination, without fail, we all jump on Airbnb and find an incredible place to stay. We just got back from an amazing trip in Palm Springs, California, and our Airbnb home was a huge part of creating memories we'll never forget. I loved it so much, I'm taking my family back to Palm Springs for spring break, and we're staying in an Airbnb home my kids fell in love with and picked out themselves. While I was there, I had the realization that my own home could be an Airbnb. It's an excellent way to earn some extra cash, whether you're saving up for your next vacation, paying off some bills, or investing. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. That's airbnb.com slash host. Hey guys, have you ever wondered if there's an AI tool like ChatGPT specifically built for the stock market? A tool that not only does the research and analysis for you, but also allows for dynamic discussions? Well, wonder no more. Meet Meka, your AI-powered stock research assistant, now enhanced with real-time stock data. Let Meka do the heavy lifting for you to significantly reduce your research time. And the best part, Meka is 100% free. Ask Meka questions like, Explore the financial health of Apple through a summary of its balance sheet. Compare the financial statements of Apple and Tesla. What is the analyst price target for Microsoft? What is the social sentiment analysis of Amazon and millions of other queries right at your fingertips? Visit Meka.com. That's M-E-Y-K-A.com. Buy low, sell high. It's easy to say, hard to do. For example, high interest rates are crushing the real estate market right now. Demand is dropping and prices are falling, even for many of the best assets. It's no wonder the Fundrise flagship fund plans to go on a buying spree, expanding its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. You can add the Fundrise flagship fund to your portfolio in just minutes and with as little as $10 by visiting fundrise.com slash millennial investing. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise flagship fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at fundrise.com slash flagship. This is a paid advertisement. All right, back to the show. At this point, what can Morgan do if I hop on the website? What does Morgan do? And what is the, your view of the future for the product? If you're going to hop on the website, the first thing I always tell someone to do is just get a little comfortable with it. Have a little fun with it. So when you go in, the first thing is Morgan will say, hi, I'm Morgan. What's your name? Just give it your name. You know, you don't have to give it your full name. You can just say Pat or Patrick or or you can give it an alias. You can say, you know, Dr. Doom or whatever you want. And the first thing I always recommend anyone do is just play with it and and have some fun and just ask it for one of these cool t-shirts and just say, hey, Morgan, I want a t-shirt. And it will mail you a t-shirt. So you'll get it in a couple of days. So that's the first thing. And that's just a good way to just have some fun with it. And then after that, you could ask it pretty much any question about mortgages and, and home finance. You could say, what is the maximum FHA loan limit in my city, whatever the city is? You could say, I make $10,000 a month and I have $500 a month in debt and my credit score is whatever, 550. What do I qualify for? So right, run it through pretty much any question you would ask a best human loan officer, underwriter, you can ask Morgan and they'll have the answers. Most answers, it'll give it to you depending on how complex it'll give you an answer in a couple of seconds. In the worst case, it'll take an hour and I'll tell you. I have to analyze this, it'll come back to you in an hour. 
I wanted to hear how you conceived of the idea for Morgan. How did, how did you come up with the idea in the first place? The whole idea of Morgan, we weren't really trying to make Morgan. We were trying to make AI to automate the lending process because 90%, 99% lending process is just a whole bunch of complex rules and layers and layers of rules. And so we started collecting data since the 80s. Since the 80s, it always seemed like AI was just around the corner. Seemed like, you know, there was always, in the tech circles, there's always talk about AI, oh, the AI is the future, and just around the corner. Of course, well, that's because the technology, the algorithms existed, but the hardware didn't. So we've been collecting all this mortgage data since the last 40 years. And then when the, when the hardware finally arrived, the last, what, four or five years ago, we, we started training the AI. And then with that training, now we created an engine that can answer basically anything and the most complex situation. And you can literally right now take your tax returns, drop it into Morgan, take a, you know, take a picture of it or scan and email it or whatever, drop it into Morgan and Morgan will, will read the tax returns, will OCR and read the tax return and will calculate your income to Fannie Mae guidelines. It knows what like to add back depreciation and take out whatever expenses and all this kind of, it does all of that. And even if you have complex K-1s and schedule of real estates and all this kind of stuff, and it'll come back with a number and it'll say, your income is whatever, 15000 a month. And it's so accurate. And we've done this so many times that we warrant it. If Morgan calculated the income wrong and it came back with, let's say Morgan said your income is 15000 when it was really 10000 then SunWest will stand behind the 15000 and will move forward and will proceed with the loan at that number. And if that means we have to balance sheet the loan, we will do that. So has Morgan eliminated a good chunk of your underwriting team or how does that work? Does the underwriting yeah. team override Morgan or does Morgan override the underwriting team? The underwriting team overrides Morgan. What they've been repurposed, I guess I would say, is restructured. Now the underwriting team focuses on dealing with the exceptions. If Morgan can't figure something out or if it's below its threshold of confidence threshold, then it gets escalated to underwriting and they then look at it and they make a decision. And every time they make a decision on, on Morgan's analysis, well, guess what? Morgan gets a little smarter. The next scenario like that, it will be able to generate with higher confidence. How involved were you with the development process? You had mentioned when you were 13 or 14 that you wrote the program to figure out how to calculate APR. Were you really involved in the development for Morgan? Morgan is, is a massive system. I was involved in most of the core, what I call the kernel of it, that does all the mortgage processing. And after that, I'm involved in, in guiding. Like I, I look at the designs that the engineers and the architects come up and I give them suggestions and uh, review the, the project direction and make sure that what they are creating meets the needs of the customers. I also look at the architecture and I'm always pushing them to make it more robust, more scalable. Just looking at it from a different perspective that, that it always helps. Like having one foot in the door, having both the technology side and, you know, having an engineering and technology background and having customer facing banking background. That gives me the ability to give a lot of, lot of insight that the team by itself may not. Well, that it would take them a time to discover and they'll discover the hard way. I could prevent them from making a lot of mistakes. I wanted to hear how and why I understand that you use the blockchain in using Morgan. Explain to us how you utilize the blockchain. If you look at a typical real estate transaction, and, and I know most of the people listening here today are real estate agents. One thing you would appreciate 
is truth is a hard thing to come by. Right? And that's where a lot of your time is spent. Is the loan, is what I'm hearing from the loan officer true? Uh, not that the loan officer is purposely misleading you. It's just that the loan officer is dealing with the best information he has at that time. And it's a lot of opinions and, and no one has any assurance of anything until the loan closes. So what Morgan does is number one, there is a hundred percent warranty on anything Morgan says. So now truth is becomes easier. First, you have, you have an AI engine that can generate answers and conclusions and analysis with a hundred percent warranty. Then you take that data and you put it in the blockchain. And once you do that, it's immutable and there's a permanent record and everyone knows what the truth is. So the blockchain doesn't create truth. The AI creates the truth. So blockchain's job isn't to say this is true or not true. That's people misunderstand blockchain. But the blockchain's job is to say is so that everyone agrees on this fact. So everyone, everyone can see what the fact is. So that way you don't have a situation where someone tells the buyer one thing and the seller or something else. And once it's on the blockchain, then the buyer and seller both know exactly where the ball is. And that's what the blockchain uh, resolves. So the, another example is people ask me, well, what is the blockchain? And I explain it this way. In the old days, if you're old enough to remember, when you had a savings account, you had a little passbook where you make a deposit and you had your copy of your paper passbook, right? And the teller would stamp it. And then the teller would have their copy, the bank would have their copy of the passbook, right? And then if you try to change a number, if you try to, if you said my, if your balance in your account is a thousand dollars and you try to add a zero at the end, well, it's not going to work because they have their copy and they, and they compare and say, wait a minute, this, these numbers don't match. That is essentially a blockchain. You know, that's a manual blockchain. You have two entries, two ledgers, manual ledgers, right? That have to match all the time. That's, that's all a blockchain is. And everyone can see it. Now, if you make that electronic and put it on the internet and everyone can see it, and that's how you solve the truth problem in real estate. So that what we did was we said, okay, if the truth is that Patrick qualifies for a million dollar loan, let me issue you, Patrick, an entry in the blockchain that says, hey, you have a million dollar line of credit and this has been generated by an AI, so it's 100% warranted. That's on record, right? Public record. And now when you go to buy a house, the seller can see that you have a million dollars available to you. And the seller will say, okay, I know that Patrick's offer is valid and it's as good as a cash offer. And then you, because you have a warranty, you can make an offer to the seller without loan contingency. And everyone can see that because you have the confidence to make an offer because you've got this entry in the blockchain. Okay. The seller has a confidence to accept that offer because he can see the entry in the blockchain. Your realtors are happy because both the listing agent and the buying agent are, don't have to worry about, is Patrick telling the truth? Because it's all there for public uh, visibility. And think about how much energy is wasted in the real estate process by simply convincing the parties, all the agents that are listening, you know how much energy is spent by convincing, if you're a buyer's agent, convincing the seller that, no, my buyer is good for it, accept the offer. Or if you're a listing agent, convincing the buying agent that, no, I'm, the seller is not going to do something poorly and, and reject your offer in the last minute. Because once it's on the blockchain and, and that offer is accepted, instantaneous, that the buyer cannot commit that million dollar NFT to more than one seller, and the seller cannot take an NFT from more than one buyer. The transaction is done instantaneously, and no one can change that. And the chances of fraud or misrepresentation right, diminished uh, greatly. What would that be called? Somewhat like a double spend problem? Yes, exactly. It solves the double spend problem. Yes, Patrick, you, you've been reading Satoshi's paper. 
I wanted to hear more about Morgan here. What are some other advantages of using Morgan? Why would somebody use it over just a traditional, what they're used to, a traditional mortgage application process? It's pretty simple because in a traditional mortgage application process, it breaks down into a computerized and a human step. The computerized step is simply the data collection, just electronic forms. So the data is received electronically, but then after that, it goes, it's all manual. There's humans that, that review the data, figure out what to do, and give you decisions that's slow and it's error prone. And there's no warranty on that because they can, all the real estate agents here, I'm sure many of them had that experience where they have a pre-approval letter or a pre-qual letter, offer goes into escrow, and now you have four weeks into escrow, and then you suddenly find out loans decline, and all hell breaks loose. That can't happen when you're AI-driven. And in our true approval process, when, when you submit that offer, the AI has made a decision and has calculated everything, and that true approval is good until closing. That whole risk of last minute fallout disappears. And the attorneys will have me say this, that not in all cases, because if the bar is hit by a bus or something, you know, there, there are those kinds of situations could still exist. But in most 99% of the time, it's going to go right through. And most of the time, we're getting loan docs ready in a couple of days after escrow, after the deal goes in escrow, and we're just waiting for the parties to come to the table to, to close. And that's a lot better situation to be in than not knowing whether it's going to close and then blowing up on you a couple of weeks later. I wanted to hear about the customer reception. How has it been received? How's it impacted the customer experience at SunWest? What's the feedback that you've been getting? Oh, the customers absolutely love it. Realtors are the biggest fans of it because they can get in there and ask whatever they need. They can ask and they don't have to wait for a voicemail or callback or whatever. And they don't have to wait for, oh, I got to run that by underwriting. And most good real estate agents, experienced real estate agents, they know more about loans or I, would say, I should say as much about loans and financing process as most loan officers do because they have to. I mean, it's just it's part of the process. Bad news is, means that they, they've had to because they've been forced to. Right? Because of the manual nature of the business, They've been, they've been pulled into the weeds of stuff that they probably, that they shouldn't have to. They should be focusing on getting more buyers and sellers. Now, when you have a tool that you could just ask, like, hey, I got a buyer with this situation or, or the Jones file that we started last week, he just lost his job and he got another job with this, which is now a commission only. What do I do? So you can, you can really throw it these hard out of left field questions and it will figure it out. Simpler questions. It'll give you answers in seconds, more complex questions, because it goes through this iterative algorithm, and then it may have exceptions that it could raise to a human that it will have to double check it. The way the thing is designed, that almost everything is done within an hour. Can you give us a, like a recent specific example of how Morgan streamlined the entire app mortgage application process? Well, I did, you know, I was talking to one of our loan officers yesterday, and he had this he was about to, about to say no to a deal. And then he said, okay, let me ask Morgan just to make sure. And it was this weird manufactured home situation in lease land or something like that. I don't remember the exact scenario. He was like, so he put into Morgan the full scenario of this deal. And he was expecting that this is a dead deal. And Morgan, Morgan turned around within a few minutes, said, okay, this is how you struck. And, and he got the deal done and it closed. And that happens a lot with loan officers is, is here you get a deal request for something you've not heard of before. Most loan officers, what they would say is, oh, yeah, we can't do that. Because they'd rather say, no, I can't do that. 
then try to do something that they never done before and then and blow up on them. But since he went to Morgan and asked Morgan, Morgan gave him the Morgan gave him an answer, a way to do it. And he knew there's a warranty on it. He went forward. He had the confidence to. So now everyone went, right? The buyer won, the loan officer won, and the realtor won. And the interesting thing about it is that the realtor himself could have gone into Morgan and asked the same question. This was a, a situation of a very unique property. Are you finding that realtors are sending buyers to Morgan when they're showing a property? Are you finding that realtors are recommending the product? Well, here's the thing. We have only, to this date, only released Morgan for licensed professionals. So it's available for realtors and loan officers to use. Now, we got a big announcement on the Super Bowl. We are announcing the the consumer release of Morgan, where realtors and loan officers and um, just in general, people will go to Morgan and start talking to it for their own personal home buying needs. So that's the big announcement that's coming out. We have an ad running the Super Bowl. For this, it's going to be super exciting. Gotta, I, gotta, I actually have a party at my house here in Puerto Rico. Patrick, you're welcome. Come on down. Get away from the cone. Join us. We got a lot of, uh, a lot of key people here at the party. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be a great time. That is really exciting. Talk to us about that experience. I'd love to hear how the, how do you decide to advertise for the Super Bowl? That's super expensive. Obviously, I hate to ask what you paid, but talk to us about that process. Well, the plan was we, we actually, I actually wanted to do it last year. I wanted to do it last year, February Super Bowl, but the product wasn't ready. It was close, but I, I wasn't happy. It's like, you know, this isn't consumer ready. We kept working and fine tuning it and just the, the user interface, the feeling, the experience has to be just right. Or I, I said, I'm, I'm holding it back until the experience is perfect. So it's actually, it's been in the works for a long time. It's taken us the whole year to create this ad. It's been a process. We went through a lot of different variations and, and we spent a, the production costs was significant simply because we made a commercial and then we threw it away. It wasn't good enough. And we did that several times. And because I think when you only have 30 seconds, it's a 30 second spot. It's not like, you know, Amazon's, you know, three minute spots on Super Bowl. It's a 30 second spot and you have to communicate the essence of the product and the feeling of the product in 30 seconds. That's hard. You got to tell a whole story in 30 seconds. Especially for a brand new product. For a brand new product, for something as complex as AI, as new as AI, people don't really understand what that means. How do you connect with that? You got to communicate the idea of an empathetic technology, get people comfortable with the idea that a computer, computers can and do understand how you feel. And it's actually that technology is out there right now. We're not the only ones. There's, there's many other people utilizing these capabilities in different parts of their systems. You just, you do it every day. You just don't realize you're doing it. So to get all of that out there in a package that gets people comfortable and say, you know what? I'm going to try this out. And we got 30 seconds to do it in. It's an amazing piece of art that we produced. The music was composed by a true authority and, and a genius. His name is Angel uh, Pena. Um, he is the, I think the number one composer in, at least in the Hispanic market. And you can look him up on Google. Like he did compositions for Mark Anthony and Ricky Martin, all this kind of, he's, he's like the number one music composer, choreographer. I'd say he's the Quincy Jones of the Hispanic community, of the Hispanic genre. He composed the music and the score for the ad. Uh, so it's, it's we're going to actually release in a week or so, we're going to release a making of video that's going to go into how this was produced and made. How involved were you with the advertisement? Did you turn that over to an outside company or were you pretty involved in, in the making of it? I'm very involved in the whole branding and presentation of Morgan. 
We have a number of firms that, creative and ad firms that work with us. Uh, one particular firm, very smart, out of New York actually, is called Inventus Media. They came up with the concept or, I mean, they came up with, they came up with the multiple concepts. We, we tried it, we threw it away. And then this final version they came up with, I'm involved in the creative direction, the music selection, the words, and, and Andrew and I, we just constantly go back and forth and we just got a good synergy between the two of us is, is just getting this thing refined and refined. Did you hire a, a spokesperson for that? I know, I know, like we mentioned earlier in the, before we recorded the podcast that Pudge Rodriguez has done some work with you guys and Tyrell Owens has done some work. Did you hire a, a spokesperson like that for the ad? No. Well, yes. Pudge Rodriguez, for those who don't know, he's probably the greatest catcher in Major League Baseball history. He's a spokesperson for the firm and he's been a friend and a spokesperson for almost 10 years now. Uh, Terrell Owens has done some spots for us in the past and maybe he'll do some more in the future. And we're talking to other people. Obviously, you, I'm sure you've heard of uh, Jason Oppenheim, the star of Selling Sunset. In my opinion, I think he's the number one realtor in, in the country. Uh, he doesn't like me saying that. It makes him blush. But I believe he's so professional. He's so amazing. I, I, I think he's number one. He loves the product. He's used it and he's like, okay, he's, he put his full weight behind it. He recently, just a, a week or two ago, put out a video explaining how to use the Morgan product on his Instagram channel. But in the ad itself, there's no spokespeople in the ad. I'm going to leave it a little bit of mystery. I don't want people to watch it. I, I think, in my humble opinion, is I think it's an award-winning ad. I think it's right up there. It's not better than the, than the Apple Think Different ad. We'll leave it at that. I won't press you any further on the, on the ad, but I'm, I'm excited to see it. Excited to watch Super Bowl now. That'll be fun to keep an eye out for. Let's take a quick break and hear from today's sponsors. Hey everyone, it's Patrick, your host of Millennial Investing. Every year, my buddies and I do a guy's trip to escape the cold and dreary Ohio winters. Once we pick our destination, without fail, we all jump on Airbnb and find an incredible place to stay. We just got back from an amazing trip in Palm Springs, California, and our Airbnb home was a huge part of creating memories we'll never forget. I loved it so much, I'm taking my family back to Palm Springs for spring break, and we're staying in an Airbnb home my kids fell in love with and picked out themselves. While I was there, I had the realization that my own home could be an Airbnb. It's an excellent way to earn some extra cash, whether you're saving up for your next vacation, paying off some bills, or investing. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. That's airbnb.com slash host. Buy low, sell high. It's easy to say, hard to do. For example, high interest rates are crushing the real estate market right now. Demand is dropping and prices are falling, even for many of the best assets. It's no wonder the Fundrise flagship fund plans to go on a buying spree, expanding its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. You can add the Fundrise Flagship Fund to your portfolio in just minutes and with as little as $10 by visiting fundrise.com slash millennial investing. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise Flagship Fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at fundrise.com slash flagship. This is a paid advertisement. Hey guys, the Range Rover Sport leads by example. It's got powerful on-road performance and commanding all-terrain capability and combines assertive on-road performance with the signature Range Rover refinement that you'd expect. The third-generation Range Rover Sport is the most desirable, advanced, and dynamically capable one yet and redefines sporting luxury. 
It's got advanced cabin technologies such as active noise cancellation and cabin air purification, which offer new levels of comfort and refinement. The purposeful cockpit-like driving position sets the tone for a focused interior that promotes exhilarating driver engagement. Award-winning Pivi Pro infotainment is at the heart of the experience and provides intuitive control of the vehicle systems. You can also enjoy a dynamic drive in total comfort with optional 22-way adjustable heated and ventilated electric memory front seats with massage function. Design your Range Rover Sport at LandRoverUSA.com. That's LandRoverUSA.com. All right, back to the show. I wanted to hear about just some of the challenges and the obstacles that you experienced trying to implement a new technology such as Morgan and just how, how you overcame them. Is it the team that's amazing that handles a lot of these issues? Technology is always challenging. The rule number one technology is expect the unexpected. Just when you think you got it figured out, you'll hit a snag and you'll be like, oh, shoot, this didn't work the way, way we thought it was going to work and you got to go back and, and rewrite it. So we've actually rewritten Morgan three or four times already to get to this point. And with every rewrite, it comes out better. And I, I, I suspect we'll probably do significant, I don't, I don't think a full rewrite, I think we'll be doing significant overhauls to it in the future as well. That's why technology is so expensive is because unless you're constantly investing in it and, and as you scale and use it more, you'll find, you'll find nuances and issues that will require upgrades. One of the biggest challenges, and frankly, I find the biggest challenges is just that getting people used to the idea that you can talk to an AI and it will, it will have answers. And actually, I, I think Elon Musk has helped us a lot because with all the noise he's made about ChatGPT, now suddenly it's in people's uh, sphere that, hey, it's okay to talk to an AI. So he's done a lot of, we've gotten a free, a lot of free marketing from Elon because when, when I rolled it out four years ago, initially, it, people were a little like, what do you mean I talk thing? It was not in people's conscience. It was, it's literally, I think we're the first mover of putting out a product, a, a real product that does real work through a conversation. Even chat GPT, they don't have a monetization model. They don't have, they haven't figured out how to make money with it. Maybe they're, they're thinking about running ads or something. But this is you're using AI and you through conversation to actually do real work and to actually, it's like a human enhancer. If you've seen the, the, the Avatar movie, the first version, I, I haven't seen the second one. I saw the first one. I haven't seen the second one. I saw the first one where they had that, that suit where the, the army people, the soldiers go in the suit and it's like this, this enhancer, I think lift these big, big boxes and stuff, right? In that suit. Well, well, a chat AI is the same thing. Instead of moving physical objects inside, inside, uh, inside this enhancement suit, think of it like an enhancement suit where you can move large amounts of paperwork, large amounts of administrative and uh, work that you would do manually. This is, this is an enhancer that would do all those for you. So you can focus on what's doing what's important. So I've just become a fan of chat GPT. Is the process of Morgan pretty similar to that or is it entirely different? It's very different because it is on a different premise. Chad GPT is sort of a jack of all trades. Give us something, it'll give you an answer, and it's not necessarily a reliable answer. They don't give a warranty that if you're not happy with the podcast title I just gave you, I'm going to give you your money back. They don't give you a warranty. Whereas the Morgan approach is you ask it something and it will give you an exact answer that it can stand behind. It doesn't do everything. It cannot give you a podcast title, but what it does do, it does very, very well. And what it does do is banking and finance, right? Home finance, it knows it inside out and you ask it anything on, more, on home finance, it will give you only one answer and an exact answer. You can't tell it to write an essay on home finance. That's not his goal. 
but you can tell it to, hey, here's my situation. How do I get finance? How do I qualify? And I think that's a, you know, if you were to ask me, here's a tool that can write an essay about home finance, and here's a tool that can tell me how I can get money finance my home. It can actually get me money, but not how to get money. It can actually get me money finance my home. Which tool do you think is more valuable? Obviously, the tool that can actually get you the money, that's more valuable. And that's what this does. Exciting stuff. At this point, though, a guy, just an average guy like me, couldn't hop on and start working with Morgan, right? You said it's just realtors and... Yes. Officially, it's released. I mean, anyone can go on it. You can go on it. You can start using it. Any, even if you're not a licensed professional, you can use it. But we are advising it only be used by professionals because I don't want the AI to confuse you. If you're not a licensed professional, you may not enjoy the experience because it would end up talking a little bit too much jargon. How do you envision this unfolding? How is AI going to change the mortgage industry in the next, say, five to 10 years? I think it's going to change the industry this year. We're rolling out the product for consumer access on Super Bowl. And then after that, we are within two or three months of that as we're rolling out the full, full blockchain capabilities of it. With those two combinations rolled out, a consumer, any consumer can go into Morgan and say, here's my situation. And Morgan will ask some more questions, maybe ask you for your approval to run credit. And within a few hours, you're going to get an NFT for, say, a million dollars. That's your credit limit. And you're good to go. That's unheard of. You can't do that anywhere. You can't just go on. And nobody's got a website where you can go on and say, here's my situation. Here's my documents. Here's my supporting documents. Give me credit. It doesn't work. With that, I think consumers are going to be going to, to Morgan first, getting their credit, getting their NFT, and then going shopping. And think about how easy that makes a realtor's job. You don't go to your listing agent with a pre-approval letter, right? You're going to them with essentially cash. And, and the realtor can see and say, yeah, that's there. And it's locked in. And, and it's not like even cash buyers will go in and show you a bank statement with the million dollars in there. And you don't know, it'll be gone tomorrow. You don't know where it came from, right? You don't know if it's really uh, his money or whatever. But this, and you see an NFT, it's there, it's good, and it's, it's, you know, it's, you know it, it can't go anywhere, and it can't be double-pledged or anything like that. And so just to be clear, that's available at this point today, correct? That will be available on Super Bowl on February 12th. The NFT will be available about 60 days after that. But on February 12th, you will be able to go in and give it your information, and it will give you an approval within hours and a guaranteed or sorry, I should say warranted approval within hours. Is it just residential or is it also commercial applications? At this point, it's, it's all residential, one to four family. All the government products, agency products, jumbo, non-QM, all of that. I wanted to segue a little bit and I wanted to just talk about some of your market predictions going into 2023 with respect to interest rates and just your overall macro outlook for real estate. Is there anything that's keeping you up at night that you're concerned about? And just what do you see unfolding this year? What keeps me up at night is uh, basically I have too much coffee during the day. <laughs> no, I try not to worry about those kinds of things. I, I try not to worry about things that I can't, I have no control over. My, well, Fannie Mae and the FHFA put out a guidance document, uh, um, I think earlier this week or last week, that they predict 50%, uh, not 50%, 50 basis points reduction in interest rates this year which would be good news. And I hope they're right. My personal prediction is I don't think that's going to happen. That's not what the Federal Reserve has indicating. And I don't see the real core drivers of inflation actually any relief in there. 
into the things that actually cause the things that caused inflation. I don't see that getting fixed. I think right now we're in a bit of a bear market rally in rates. The rates have improved recently. I think there's a lot of optimism. And I don't see that rally lasting more than a month or two. Quite frankly, I'm surprised it lasted this long. My prediction is we'll be back to 10-year around 4% very soon. Uh, I, hate, I hate to be the, the wet blanket here, but I'm just telling you as I see it, I hope I'm wrong. I'd love to be wrong about this, and this is good for everyone. I tend to agree with you. I think j is pretty set on dampening and stamping out inflation. Exactly. And I am pretty sure he doesn't want to go down in history as making the same mistake. Repeating the mistakes in the 1970s, one thing to be the first guy to make the mistake. You don't want to be the second guy. Because they did the same thing in the 70s. They, they raised rates, interest rates, inflation calmed a little bit. And then they said, oh, okay, we're out of it. And then they, they did a victory dance and lowered rates again. And then, and then inflation went completely out of control. And then we ended up with 19%. I don't see him making that same mistake again. I remember having a CD as a kid at 19%. It was like 18, something around there. It was like crazy. 19% interest rates, that's like Banana Republic currency, right? You can't be a leader of the free world and have 19% interest rates. doesn't make sense. Pavan, this has been really fun to talk with you. I am eager to see the Super Bowl ad. I can't wait. Really excited about the product. It sounds pretty awesome. I'm eager to check it out as well. For those that want to learn maybe more about you, connect with you, or, or even the company, what's the best way for them to do that? Just go to the company website. You can go to swmc.com. And it's very simple, four little letters, swmc.com. And all the information about the company is there. If you want to actually use the product and try out the product and, and start by getting your own t-shirt, getting your, your free t-shirt, it's a good fun thing to do. Just go to usemorgan.com, U-S-E-M-O-R-G-A-N.com. And it's so intuitive. And if you want to talk to me, I don't have to even give you my phone number. You just go to use Morgan and say, you want, you want to talk to Pavan and, and Morgan will connect you to me. Pavan, thanks again for your time. This has been real fun. Thank you, Patrick. Cheers. Okay, folks, that's all I had for today's episode. I hope you enjoyed the show and I'll see you back here real soon. Thank you for listening to TIP. Make sure to subscribe to We Study Billionaires by the Investors Podcast Network. Every Wednesday, we teach you about Bitcoin and every Saturday, we study billionaires and the financial markets. To access our show notes, transcripts, or courses, go to theinvestorspodcast.com. This show is for entertainment purposes only. Before making any decision, consult a professional. This show is copyrighted by the Investors Podcast Network. Written permission must be granted before syndication or rebroadcasting.